We've been talking the last couple of weeks about God not changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We talked about how that impacts your past. How many of you are glad you're forgiven? You don't have to fret over one thing that's happened in your past. He has forgiven you as far as the East is from the West, not to bring it up again. God is not like some people you know who never forget. He will forgive you and forget. Amen. We talked about last week how it affects your present. How if God hasn't changed, it changes what you do today. That God is the same yesterday and today. And today we're going to talk about how he's the same forever. Yesterday, today, and forever and how that changes us. Amen. Could you do me a favor? Could you stand one more time for the word? We're going to do an honor of the word. I'll let you sit down the rest of the time till the end. We're going to read from Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 31. You can see it on the screen. If you've got a paper Bible, you can read it out of that. I just ordered one of those things on Amazon the other day. And you can also go to the Bible app on your phone and you can find sermon notes on the Bible app for Hope Community Church. So Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 13, say amen if you're ready. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that For that a notable sign has been performed through them as evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, You must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people for all were praising God for what had happened for the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed... The place in which they gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Father, we thank you this morning that we can look in our past and see that you've been faithful. 
We can look at our present and see that you're with us. But Lord, we can look into our future and see that we can trust you. Lord, we thank you for that. We pray, God, because we were together this morning looking to your word, you change us. Renew our minds. By doing that, change what we do. And we pray that our lives, because we got together today, would honor you more and more and more. We thank you that you resurrected. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. We read a little bit of the aftermath of a miracle that had happened. Now, if you've been coming here for the past month, you, you know we've been talking about God not changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and so what you find out how this story starts is Jesus has, had been tried, arrested, tried, convicted, beat mercilessly, crucified, put in a tomb, resurrected. Talked last week between his death and the day of Pentecost, about 50 days took place and about 40 of those days, he is showing himself to people, proving that he hadn't changed. Talk about how he, how he walked in the room with Thomas and he said, hey, I'm, I'm still the same guy. Touch my hands, put your hand in my side. I'm still the same Jesus, I haven't changed. Then the disciples go into the upper room and they pray for about 10 days. And the day of Pentecost happens, the Bible says that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter goes out and preaches about 3,000 people are saved believe that Jesus resurrected and put their faith and hope in him. Now we pick up a story in Acts chapter four, where Peter and John are walking to the temple to pray as what their typical custom would be. And there was a guy sitting by the entry gate that they typically went into. It was a gate called, they call it the beautiful gate. So this guy who they would, who I guess his friends would prop up by the gate every day to collect money was sitting there and I'm, I would venture to say it's probably not the first time Peter and John had passed him. But they, they walk past him and he cries out. He says, hey, can you give me some money? And um, Peter evidently didn't have any money. But he did have a resurrected Christ to go on. So the Bible says that he looks down at the man and he says, silver and gold have I none. He said, bro, I'm broke, but I got this one thing. There's a man named Jesus Christ who was crucified and he's risen now and he's filled us with the Holy Spirit. So in his name, stand up and walk. And the Bible says that Peter reached down to the man, grabbed him by the hand and pulled him up. And a man who was over 40 years old, who'd been crippled since birth, the Bible says without any physical therapy, without Without any pills, without any counseling, with, no, with nothing, the Bible says that strength came back into his legs. Not enough just to, not enough just to stand up, but it said he was running and leaping like, like normal legs came back to him. Amen? Anybody, you, any, any of you been through physical therapy lately and wished you could just have a Jesus miracle when that person's bending your leg up behind your neck and you're like, I don't think it's natural. It says he just stood up and started praising God. So they make their way into the temple and Peter, the crowd is starting to gather because everybody knew this guy was crippled. 
The guy is clinging to Peter. And Peter starts to preach. Hey, you remember the guy you killed? We called him Jesus. He rose again on the third day. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. And it's by his name that this man has been healed. You don't invoke the name of a man who has no power, by the way. You don't name drop people nobody knows. You don't walk into a crowd and say, hey man, you know Billy? And they're like, no. Okay, then I won't use his name. Peter said, it was Jesus of Nazareth who rose from the dead. It's in his name that this man has been healed. Well, guess what? The the temple police... um, trying to keep things from getting crazy, arrest them. Now imagine this. Imagine imagine 10 days before the day of Pentecost, about 120 people in the room. That's a decent following. 120 people following Christ enough to go into a room and pray for 10 days. The day of Pentecost happens. The disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says Peter goes out and preaches. And 3,000 people that moment choose to believe in Jesus Christ. Now this thing's getting out of control. If you're a church and you had room for 120 and 3,000 people show up, you're in trouble. Especially if you're having communion. Bro, we're out of cups. Like we're out of little, I mean, if you didn't bring your own, you ain't getting any. The the church is blowing up. And so the people that were trying, the people that crucified Jesus and had put him in the tomb and then it started the story that somebody stole his body were still trying to cover the whole thing up because they knew it was risky to their power. They knew it was risky for this name of Jesus to get out. So, So they arrest Peter and John. They throw him in jail every night. You ever had one of those days where something really, really good happened? You're on cloud nine about 10 o'clock in the morning. And then by about six o'clock in the afternoon, you were like, ooh, this ain't going to end well. <laughs> Could you imagine walking in the morning by somebody, grabbing them by the hand and saying, in the name of Jesus, I don't have any money, stand up. And the dude stands up only to be thrown in jail and spend the night. So they spend the night in jail. They get up the next day and they bring him before him in this little trial. They, they, they've got a quandary on their hands, to be honest with you. The leaders understand that everybody out there saw what happened. They saw the guy running around. They saw the guy jumping. They saw the guy clinging to Peter. They heard the story. They know in Jesus Christ of now that name, this man was raised up. So there's an issue here. We can't deny it. You can't just say something didn't happen when it happened. If the guy was crippled from birth and now he's over 40 years old, he, he, everybody knows this dude wasn't faking it. And so he stands up, starts running around. Now there's a testimony. There's a real live factual thing that happened because there's evidence of it. So the leaders understand this and they're like, ah, what are we going to do now? We got we to get these guys to shut up because we can't keep doing this. We can't have this guy obviously healed, a miraculous thing has happened. They admit that. But we can't have them going around talking about it. Mm. Isn't it like the devil? It calls you to shut up about something God did in your life. So they haul Peter and John in and um, they start asking them, 
They start telling him what the deal is. Hey, listen, you're going to be quiet, but you, you can't use this name anymore. You can't be talking about in the name of Jesus. Peter looks at him and says, hey, whether it's right to do what God says or what you say, I'm going to let you figure that out for you. For me, I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm going to keep talking about it. And John's standing beside him going, yeah. Yeah, what he said. So they reprimand him again and say, hey, you got to keep your mouth shut. We're going to turn you loose. Because they were, they were between a rock and a hard place, man. They couldn't punish the guys because then the crowd would have went nuts. So they leave and they go back to the house. And um, could you imagine that story when they got back to the house? Could you imagine walking in the house? Now, I, I know we read the Bible like they were all proper, like, well, we had an encounter with the Holy Spirit today. At the gate called Beautiful, when we walked in, there was that young, there was that middle-aged man who's always out there asking for money. So Peter bent over because Peter's always broke. You know, Peter never carries any cash with him, so he didn't have anything to give the guy. So Peter bent over and said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And he stood up. That's not how it went down. You know they walked in the room and went, are you kidding me? Peter is always broke. But when he said, I don't have any money. Peter remembered that Jesus is resurrected. I can imagine John telling the story and going, man, even though I beat him, even though I beat him to the tomb when we were in a foot race, Peter believed before I did. Peter was the first one to believe, to proclaim that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter was first to it. And when we walked by the gate and the guy who we've seen standing there for sitting there for years and years and years, Peter was the first one to reach down and go in Jesus name, stand up. I can imagine John telling the story and, and I was just dumbfounded. The guy just stood up. And then they threw us in jail. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Peter was married because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. Which is one of the questionable miracles. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a total joke. Can you imagine Peter's wife? Send him to the temple to pray. And he doesn't come home. Your day starts off great, ends. Here's the truth. God has not changed. As much as we talk about what he's forgiven us of our past and he's with us in our present, God has not changed. God has not changed. God is proving to Peter and John in the moment that the same power that raised him from the dead is still available. God has not changed. God has not changed an ounce between his death, resurrection, and the, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the, the day of Pentecost, the infilling of the Holy Spirit of the disciples. He has not changed. Matter of fact, he's displaying he's got the same power yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God. He's telling them, he's telling them that, listen, I, I, I'm the same over and over and over again. So wouldn't it change things if we just believe that God was the same? Okay, let, let, me, let me say it like this. If we didn't need God to prove himself anymore, you can say amen or oh my. What, just, 
If we didn't need God to prove himself anymore. You, you know what? I, I started thinking about this. I've been married um, a quarter of a century this year. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. I mean, it flew by. It was great. It is great. It is and will be unbelievable. Perfect bliss. Here's what I found out. Here's what I started thinking about. Like, like I don't know when it happened, but my wife doesn't need to prove anything to me anymore. Amen. Uh, uh, okay. With the same enthusiasm, I don't have to prove anything to my wife anymore. There we go. There we go. So you thought you were going to get us. We're rolling deep in here today. At some point in time in our relationship, we didn't have to prove anything to each other. She had to prove to me that I have to, tr- that I can trust her. We got there 25 years. She never lied to me that I knew of. I'm not waking up 25 years later going, Hey, you got to prove yourself. I'm not sure about you. And you got to prove this. You got to prove that. But we do that with God. The God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We keep asking him, Lord, if you're real, prove yourself to me. Now he obliges us a lot about that. But wouldn't it change our future if we just assumed he was the same? Wouldn't it change how we thought about our current circumstances if we just assumed? Wouldn't it change what we thought about in, in, in five years from now if we just assumed that he was the same yesterday today and for that we didn't need him to prove himself. So it's less about God proving himself and more about us believing it. It's more about the Holy spirit opening up our eyes to realize that he is the same, that he hasn't changed. Jesus did that with some of the disciples right after he resurrected on the, they call it the road to Emmaus, the conversation he had with him. Luke records it. Luke chapter 24, starting verse 25. What happened is he, he's walking down the road to Emmaus with a couple of disciples and, and he's like, Hey, what are you guys so upset about? They don't know he's Jesus at this moment. What are you guys so upset about? And they're like, dude, really? You, you didn't hear that Jesus was crucified and now he's resurrected and, and now they can't find his, you didn't hear all that stuff. So listen to what Luke records. He says to him, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all scripture, all the scripture, the things concerning himself. That was a pretty good walk because Jesus went all the way back to Moses. He said, listen, God has not changed. He's kept every single promise. Watch this, starting with Moses, starting With all this that happened, he went through the whole thing and got to himself. The Bible says that they're just shocked by his teaching. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it and broke it and gave thanks. And he gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? 
So here's the issue. The issue should never be, has God been faithful to us? Has God kept his promises? But have my eyes been open to it? They're walking down the road with him for miles. And Jesus is going, hey, listen, you don't, you don't get it? All the way back to Moses, God, faithful, faithful, watch this, watch this, watch this. God has not changed, not changed, not changed, all the way through. He keeps going, and then they're like, whoa, sits down at the table with him, breaks the bread. It wasn't that God changed, it was their finally eyes were open to the fact that he hadn't changed. Why does God have to keep proving himself? It's more of us going, oh, now I see it. It's not that he's any different. It's not that he's less faithful today than he was. It's not that he's less powerful today than he was. It's not that he's less faithful or powerful in two weeks. It's that have our eyes been open to it? Have we allowed the Holy Spirit to confirm that in our hearts? Listen, I believe we spend sideways energy asking God to continually prove himself only to realize that he already has. How many times have you been praying, Lord, I need you to come through on this. I need you. What if we just assumed that he was? Now, I need to make a little clarification. You've been taught your whole life not to assume because it makes a... I shouldn't say that, should I? It makes something out of us. There is only one person you can assume on consistently, and that's God. Can, can, I shorten, can I shorten your prayer time a little bit? Have you ever heard a pastor say that? Can I shorten your prayer time a little bit? I want to help you pray right. Start assuming that God is going to be faithful. So our prayers change from, Lord, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how you're going to pull this off. I don't understand, Lord. If you just give me a little bit of faith to help me understand, I'll be, you know, be really good, Lord. I'd just like to go to bed tonight and just, just have, just Lord, if you'd help me understand, if you'd help, help. Lord, if I assume on him, I can pray this way, Lord. My future is as bright as the sun on Resurrection Sunday when Jesus came out of the tomb. So I'm going to lay my head down on this bed, assuming that you have taken care of me and you will take care of me. I'm assuming that you have healed and you will heal. I'm assuming that no plan of yours has ever been thwarted. So why would I expect anything to be different in the future? You are the God that resurrected and I have no reason not to trust that. Amen. We get to assume on it. It's called faith. It's called faith. That's all. I'm just going to assume God is going to do what God has already done and always done and will always do. He's never going to leave me or forsake me. He's always going to be faithful. His, his love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. Nothing can separate from me from the love of God. I get to assume all of that stuff. He didn't have to prove himself anymore to me. Doesn't have to prove himself. Anybody ever been broke in here? You like you first got married? You ever been broke? I remember my wife and I first got married. We uh, our rent was like three fifty a month. I was calling up the landlord, going, "That's a little steep, don't you think? I make it six dollars an hour." I just realized we crossed over in that back when I was a kid. We did, didn't we? 
It just crossed over. It's all downhill from here. I remember praying about, um, I'll never forget this, by the way. I don't know what bill it was. My wife could tell you because I don't even pay attention. I don't know what was due, but we didn't have the money. Can I get an amen? How many of you know at 20, I was 20, maybe 21 years old. How many of you know that you never overpay your insurance at 20 years old? If you're smart, you wouldn't overpay it now. So we're praying, Lord, you're going to have to help us on this. I don't know where the money's going to come from. I don't know what's going to happen. Anybody? Amen. I don't know what's going to happen, Lord. You're going to have to help us. You're going to pray. You know, you're going to hold hands together and pray, Lord, you got to make this happen. The next day, I'll never forget it. My wife calls me from her work, calls me. And she says, we just got a check from an insurance company. And I said, God is real. <laughs> we, did, we hadn't filed a claim. You, am I telling this right? It was an overpayment. Why would we do that? <laughs> we never overpaid anything at 20 years old. We're just praying our guts out. Lord, you got to do this. Insurance company sends us a check. 25 years later, I'm just going to assume that God's going to take care of it. If he could make an insurance company mail me a check that I didn't know was coming 25 years ago, I'm just going to assume that he's going to take care of me today. Amen. If he can protect my kids, if he can protect my marriage, if he can protect people, like if he can, if he can orchestrate my life in a way that there's no way I can anticipate how good it could be and how fulfilling it could be. If he can do all those things, why would I ask him to prove himself? We got a history. We got an insurance check history. He don't need to prove himself anymore. Peter and John did not need God to prove himself. He already had. Changed the way they prayed. Changed the way they operated. They didn't walk up to the man at the gate called Beautiful and go, I don't know, God, you got to prove yourself once again. No, he just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up. He's already proven himself. If he can rise up from the grave, this is chump change. I was hoping you'd get that. If he can rise up out of the tomb after being killed, my problem is easy. Amen? I don't need you to prove yourself again. I just need you to be God. That's it. I don't need you to be smaller. I don't need you to be bigger. I just need you, need you to be who you've always been. Perfect. In every circumstance I'm in. Speaking of circumstances, you do realize your current circumstance does not dictate your future hope. Now, let me show you why this is so important. Have you ever started off the day doing pretty well? I had one of those days yesterday. I came up here, the, the, the team was practicing, I came up and I was listening to it and I was like, oh man, this is going to be good. This is going to be country good. <laughs> We're in Hedgesville, man. So I came up, I was really excited. I had to go to Berkeley Springs and work on a thing we have up there, put a, put deck railing on. 
I've been in construction since, I, since we got married. And I'm thinking, I'm going to just go up and handle my business and get this thing done. I had a good time here at the church. I left here about 1230. And I'm on a mission. I've got everything I need. I get up there. Anybody ever start a day like that? Where it was just clicking. And then 2 o'clock came. I don't even understand what happened. I stopped by Sheets and got a Diet Coke. I thought the world was perfect. I get there. I do a couple things on railing, which I put tons of red in my <laughs> You ever been in a hurry? You make one decision that ruins the rest of your day. I'm a pastor. I can't even cuss. <laughs> See, some of you guys have an outlet. Some of you, I'm just gritting my teeth. Dennis told me I was wearing my teeth off. And I'm just like, I can't cuss. I get paid not to. So... <laughs> I'm just going to, like, I'm, I'm all by myself. I don't even have anybody to blame it on. I'm just like, I made one wrong cut, flipped the thing upside down. And I'm like, if there's a God in heaven. And so, and then your day just progressively starts to get worse. Then everything, I should have just walked away. Then ever, I'm trying to fix it, trying to fix it, trying to fix it, trying to fix it. And then I'm to the point where I'm not going to let anybody walk over on this side of the building. Till I could go get some more material and fix this thing. Your day starts off up here and then before you know it, it's in the bottom of the gutter. Now, I want you to think about this real. This is happening to Peter and John. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. He picks him by the hand, picks him up. Full use of his legs come back. He's running around. He's preaching. And then before you know it, he's in jail overnight. Now, I'm telling you right now, I don't think there's probably many people here who just spent last night in jail. Your current circumstance does not have anything to do with your future hope. But here's the problem. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. We complain to God like our current circumstance dictates our future. Don't we? Yesterday, like, God, how could you let that happen? You saw me cutting that thing. You never even said anything. No little tap from the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you better measure again. Nothing. You just sat back and let it happen. You didn't say anything. You didn't warn me. You didn't. There was no angels like the day Mary found out she was pregnant. There was nothing. This was important. I had to get it done. But you just overlooked it. And now my life is ruined. You run down those rabbit holes. You get on Facebook, you start comparing yourself to each other. You get on Instagram, you start looking at other people's vacations and how you can't do it. And your other why the day you started out with was otherwise great. And then you went in the rabbit hole of how did I get here? How did this happen to me? Why is God not as faithful as he was to the person on Instagram? Why is God not as faithful to somebody else? Why was he not as faithful to me as he was? Can can I tell you something? When Peter and John go back, this is a telling. It's as telling what they don't say is what they do say. Because we spend a lot of time going, God, how could you? How could you? Peter and John go back and their testimony is, this guy got raised up and healed and now we're going to pray for boldness. 
It doesn't record anything like this. Can you believe we got locked up? How could God let us get locked up? If we're going to start getting locked up, I don't know if I'm going to do this anymore. If me getting locked up, if, if me preaching the gospel means I'm, a, I'm not going to have everything I want. If me taking care of this, or ta- if me doing what God wants me to do means I'm not going to have it as easy as it is for everybody else. If me, Lord, we're going to have to have a conversation because you're going to get a lot of complaining from me. Because my life's not turning out the way everybody else's life is. And by the way, everything you see on the internet is fake. I just found out the other day. I didn't even people realize people were doing it. They use uh, filters. Your skin's not that good. Your eyes aren't that blue. Your hair's not that good. Well, I'm glad we started dating for the internet. I knew what I was getting. You know what I'm saying? God's already proved himself. And if your day started out here and it ends up down here, God has not changed. And your future has not changed. The hope you can have has not changed. It has not changed. It has not changed. If Jesus went to the cross and died and resurrected, then he has enough power to overcome anything you're currently walking through. And the Bible says that our hope in the future doesn't change because he went to prepare a place for us. And the Bible literally says, if it were not so, I would have told you. He goes to prepare a place for us that I cannot see, ear has not heard, nor is it ever into the heart of man. How amazing that your future is secure in Christ, no matter what your current circumstance is. God does not have to prove himself one more time for that to be true. Your eyes just have to be open to it. So Peter and John, the disciples' eyes were open that day to the power of God. It was still the same. It was still available. It was still working miracles. And it changed the way they thought about their future. They weren't going to complain about getting thrown in jail. They weren't going to complain about something going sideways. They weren't going to complain about it. They were going to pray a specific prayer. And it's important. And it's the way we should pray. Let me read you this from a guy named A.W. Tozer. Some of you might have heard this before. He wrote this in 1978. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. Man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as a worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most pretentious fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our middle image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. So if you believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, you inherently believe that you're an overcomer. 
Your prayers are different. Your, your activities are different. Your, your faith is different because you believe the God that delivered me yesterday has promised to deliver me tomorrow. So I can assume on that. I don't have to complain to God about my current circumstance because he already knows. He's already dealing with it. He's already working on my behalf so I can have hope for the future no matter what today looks like. Oh, I got thrown in prison for doing the God thing today. He's still with me. He's still faithful. His promise is still true. Amen? When God's the same, you pray different. Look at this, verse 29. Now, now remember, they've seen an unbelievable miracle the day before. They got thrown in prison overnight. They've been warned by the highest ruling authority in their culture. Shut your mouth about Jesus. They come back to the rest of the disciples elated. That's like getting fired and going, this is the best day ever. (laughs) Elated. They come back elated and they pray and this is the way they pray. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your service to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Boy, that's a different prayer, isn't it? What, what if you prayed that in your current circumstance right now? I'm not saying it's great. What if we stop praying, Lord, deliver us from our enemies, deliver us from this current circumstance, but Lord, in the middle of this thing that it doesn't seem like I can control, give me boldness to be more like you. Hmm. Do you, do you notice what they didn't pray? They didn't pray, kill all of our enemies. That would make it easier tomorrow. They didn't pray, make everybody agree with me. They didn't pray, change this person or change that person. They didn't, they didn't pray anything like that. They prayed, change us. Give us more boldness to do what you've called us to do in the middle of this catastrophe. In the middle of them telling us not to preach your name, give us boldness to do just that. In the middle of me not being able to figure it out with my family, give me boldness. In the middle of me not not being able to figure it out at work, give me boldness. In the middle of not having enough money, give me boldness to trust you. In the middle of whatever I'm standing in today, give me boldness. They're not wasting a lot of time complaining. They're not wasting a lot of time going, hey, Lord, you know, we're not sure about this thing. What should we do? Like, should we listen to him a little bit? Should we not? Lord, give us boldness. What if the church believed that God would be the same a week from now, assumed on his power, and our only prayer was, Lord, we know you have it taken care of. Empower us now. Empower us when I show up to work to that tomorrow and that jerk is still the same jerk. Don't say amen. They may be watching online. <laughs> Give me boldness to be like Jesus. Give me boldness and power to do good to those who persecute me, to love on those that don't like me, to to, to honor people, to, to count others above myself. Give me the power to be like Jesus. They said, change us, Lord, give us power. They didn't say kill our enemies. They didn't say get rid of it. They didn't say, wouldn't it be nice if it was just us? They said, give us power to proclaim your word. Give us power. 
band's going to come up. We're going to end with this. Have you ever had a, a moment where you, um, where you complain to God? Like a lot. You had about a five-year moment one time. Just complain. God, how can you let this happen? How can you keep doing this? How can you keep doing this? How can you keep doing this? Just pray, pray. Lord, how does this, how can we keep going? I don't know if we can keep going. Has anybody ever gotten up from a prayer like that and felt powerful? Man, I went to a prayer meeting the other day. What'd you pray about? Well, just kind of complaining to God about my circumstances. I left with such a power. I left with such a freedom and power. That's never happened to me. And I've done my fair share of complaining to God. I remember I've told this story over and over again here. I remember sitting in front of a counselor one time just complaining about God for 45 minutes. I figure I paid this due for an hour. I'm going to take it. Complaining about how my life had turned out. And that guy who's a friend of mine today looked at me and said, Chris, has God been faithful? And I thought, this is a waste of my money. I learned in that day, God had been faithful through every single one of my complaints. He had not changed. Even though my circumstance wasn't what I wanted it to be, he had not changed. He was still with me. He was still, but here's what I also learned that day. The complaining didn't give me power. Complaining never gave me power. Faith was the thing that was gonna give me power. Watch this, stand up. I'm gonna show you this one last thing. So you can't say pray and God will empower you. You have to pray the right thing. Don't don't make the mistake of a complaining prayer being equal to a faith-filled prayer. Don't make that mistake. Don't make the mistake every time you lay your head down at night, you're like, Lord, it really wasn't a perfect day. Lord, I don't know why you keep doing this. I don't know why you keep doing that. No, 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 no. Don't make the mistake of assuming just because you're praying that that's it. You have to realize that they prayed the right prayer. It wasn't just a whiny little prayer. It wasn't a prayer, Lord, we healed a guy and then he threw us in jail and reprimanded us. Like, how can we keep doing this? It was a boldness prayer. So watch what happens. We're looking into our future, praying about our future, church. We're praying about how it's going to turn out. We're praying about our families. We're praying about our communities. We're praying about all that's going on. We're asking God. We're believing him for the future. So we're not going to start out with, Lord, you know, it's so terrible. We're going to start out like this. You saw what happened. Now give us boldness. That's what they prayed. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They continued into the future. So God 
hasn't changed in my past. God is the same today. And in the future, I can assume that he's not changing. So that changes me. It changes me. So now I'm like, Lord, look at my circumstance. No, Lord, I need your power. I need your boldness to do tomorrow what you've called me to do. To do in five years what you've called me to do. I need your power. And you know what happens to the whole room when they pray that? God gives them what they ask for. God empowers them to do the same thing over and over. Hey, we need power to speak your word. You got it. We need power to be good husbands. You got it. We need power to be good wives. You got it. We need power to be good people. You got it. We need power to be, be great to our community. You got it. And it says that he empowered them that day and they continued. Their future was solid. Their future was solid. Their future was solid. Their future was solid. Come on, church. You've got to believe right now the same God that delivered you can and will continue. The same God that empowered you back there can and will continue. And it will change us. Amen. We've seen him do it. We experience it. But we can pray as if he will continue to do it. Christ proves to us that he is enough for our future. Amen. Come on, lift your voice. Sing it out. Give him praise.